Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of M's Drive-In. I'm your host Emily, bringing you into the exciting world of cinema, with some behind-the-scenes facts and everything you need to know about some of the best artists in the business. Today's episode is all about looking at the live-action world of Disney movies. I hope you all enjoy, and let's get right to it. First up, we have the film Pete's Dragon. This movie was written by David Lowry and Toby Halbrooks and was directed by David Lowry. This movie is about Mr. Mitchum, who is played by Robert Redford, a woodcarver who delights local children with stories of a mysterious dragon that lives deep in the woods of the Pacific Northwest. His daughter Grace, played by Bryce Dallas Howard, believes that they are just tall tales, until she meets Pete, played by Oaks Fergley, a 10-year-old orphan who says he lives in the woods with a giant friendly dragon. With help from a young girl named Natalie, played by Una Lawrence, Grace sets out to investigate if this fantastic claim can be true. The themes of this movie are courage, maturity, and family. According to the article Pete's Dragon Review, surprise, this is one of the best movies of the summer written by Emily St. James for the Vox.com. The article states, Pete's Dragon also contains lots of shots of people just doing stuff, like woodworking or checking trees for signs of disease or strapping massive payloads to the back of flatbed trucks. Where Malik sees people as insignificant in the face of nature, Lowry sees humankind as a fascinating integral part of nature. We're all little worker ants to him. And when we come into contact with something wondrous, like a dragon that can disappear, will attack the problem like the busy little bugs we are. This quote leads us into our first theme of courage. When we think of courage, we think of a mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Pete losing his family at a young age means that he has to adjust to a completely new environment that is rooted in nature. And this is a great symbolism of what it means to become a product of a dangerous environment because Pete essentially lives in the woods. And the woods are where wolves and bears and rabbits and other really dangerous creatures can live. So Pete, in a lot of ways, has no choice but to be brave because his quote-unquote home could put him in serious danger and he needs to be able to know how to fight back and look out for himself. Meanwhile, Elliot the dragon represents nature itself, while Pete represents the curious parts of nature. And it's another really great symbol for how humanity embraces nature, and how humanity is able to embrace the unknown. And a great example of this is Pete and Elliot's relationship in and of itself. Most people in society would shy away from a dragon because dragons can be seen as quote-unquote different or quote-unquote dangerous, and society doesn't want to confront what doesn't fit into their own normality. And Pete is brave enough to subvert those notions as he connects with Elliot on a paternal level. Elliot is the one that cares for Pete after Pete loses his parents, and they share this commonality of being alone and not having a family, so they are the two figures in nature itself where they are able to really build a life together, and they build a family together that is surrounded by this commonality that they share of being alone and wanting to experience some type of connection. The article continues to state, Lowry has a similar interest in the beauty of nature and in the quiet meditation that one might experience when surrounded by trees. Lowry is also interested in process and the way that humans get things done together, and he has a refreshing lack of judgment for his characters. 
This quote leads us into the theme of maturity. When we think of maturity, we think of a fully developed and balanced personality and emotional behavior that one may obtain. And this film does a really great job of subverting the idea of maturity because Pete's maturity in an active family setting is essentially non-existent because he only knows how to exist in a natural world. And it's this great exploration of maturity in the natural world versus maturity in a domestic setting. When Grace and Natalie find Pete, he is already accustomed to the natural world, which means that his maturity level only exists in that environment. Pete, for example, knows how to communicate like an animal because he was essentially raised by the wild. And when Grace and Natalie bring him back to their home, they have to actively teach him how to adjust to a family environment because he really doesn't know how to assimilate himself into a domestic life, which affects how he is able to mature in this environment. And on the other hand, Grace and Natalie, and this is what I love about their characters, is that they never judge Pete for who he is or where he comes from. They both bond with him in an emotional way and work with him to feel loved instead of working against him. And it coexists beautifully with the way that they love and embrace nature. Pete is a part of the nature that they both love, which creates a great way for them to find common ground and it creates a really great way for them to bond. The article continues to state, If Lowry is fascinated by community, then he's most fascinated by the communities within our communities, the family units we form almost by instinct. The director sets up the journey of Orphan Pete not as one of finding his rightful place, but one of realizing that there is more than one path our lives can take, especially when lived alongside loved ones. This quote leads us into the theme of family. Elliot was a representation of a family for Pete for so long that he didn't have any other example to go by when it came to having a family outside of the natural world. And Grace becomes a maternal figure for Pete, and Natalie becomes a sister and a friend figure for him, which proves to Pete that there are more than one kind of version of a particular family structure. And that is a huge part of what the ending of this film represents. Pete realizes that different families come in shapes and sizes, and he sees how much Grace and her family care for him and wants to be a part of that structure while realizing that he can always have a love and admiration for Elliot. Up next, we have the film Dumbo. This movie was written by Iran Cougar and was based on the novel by Helen Aberson and Harold Pearl and was directed by Tim Burton. This movie is about a struggling circus owner named Max Medici, who was played by Danny DeVito, who enlists the former star Holtz, played by Colin Farrell, and his two children to care for Dumbo, a baby elephant born with oversized ears. When the family discovers that the animal can fly, it soon becomes the main attraction, bringing in huge audiences and revitalizing the rundown circus. The elephant's magical ability also draws the attention of V.A. Vanderveer, played by Michael Keaton, an entrepreneur who wants to showcase Dumbo in his latest larger-than-life entertainment venture. The themes of this movie are inclusion, catharsis, and family. According to the article, with Dumbo, Tim Burton still knows how to give us what we want, written by Bilge Ebery for Vulture.com, the article states, The circus settings do liberate Burton, giving him the opportunity to stage elaborate, bizarre acts with grandiosity and verve. Whether we're watching Dumbo hoisted along a fake burning building to launch himself off of a collapsing platform, or trying to navigate an ill-advised trapeze act, whenever the spotlights come on and the crowd roars, Dumbo comes to life. 
It helps also that Burton never lets us forget that we're watching an elephant flying. The way the creature bops along awkwardly with each flap of his ears enhances the weirdness. We want to cheer, but we also want to laugh at the absurdity of it all. This quote leads us into the first theme of inclusion. When we think of inclusion, we think of the act of including someone or something as part of a group or a person that is overall included in any given space. Dumbo is considered to be quote-unquote different from the rest of society, and this causes him to be ostracized from other people and other beings. And this film does a really great job of exploring how outcasts have to find the right people in order to fit in. The circus itself does symbolize a safe space for creative beings who use their differences to their advantages because they're able to use that uniqueness about them as a way to entertain the public. And entertainment in a lot of ways is considered to be a widely popular type of quote-unquote show that does bring the public together. And it's a great example of what it means to form a certain image around what is considered to be out of the norm. Holt and his children, Millie and Joe, represent the family that Dumbo so desperately needs in order to survive without his mother. And this creates a great contrast, because humans are what drew Dumbo's mom away from him, but they are also who helped Dumbo to adjust to life without his mom. And it greatly highlights how there are two sides to every human being. Dumbo is considered to be a spectacle, but what is put on display for the public to see never gets tiresome, because Dumbo as a baby elephant has a purity in the way in which he discovers his talent, and the way that he discovers this talent that he has is really able to draw a lot of humanity in. And it's his ability to fly that really helps him feel included. The article continues to state, The Farrier kids take over most of the narrative duties handled in the original by the scrappy Timmy Q. Mouse, who is basically a poor man's Jiminy Cricket, but they've been given a lot more to do here. In the 1941 version, Dumbo doesn't really fly until late in the story, a development that has the quality of a release, a catharsis. This quote leads us into the theme of catharsis itself. When we think of catharsis, we think of the process of releasing and providing relief from suppressed emotions. This version of the film has Dumbo flying earlier in the movie. This creates a great representation of, by Dumbo flying, it means that he is finally letting go of his fear of society's expectations of him. And this also does create a certain level of exploitation. V.A. Vanderveer uses Dumbo for his circus quote-unquote act. He doesn't really care if he's hurting him or if he's hurting his circus family in the process. And Vanderveer is the representation of this impulsive, greedy side of humanity, which is considered to be normal in an entertainment sphere. The children are a huge part of what takes over the narrative process because they subvert the idea that all of humanity is greedy and cruel because they are a representation of the kindness, compassion, and grace that people are capable of having. And that also creates a great level of catharsis because it is showing a framework of emotions for how human beings are able to relate to each other. And Dumbo, in a lot of ways, also helps Millie and Joe heal their relationship with Holtz. This leads us into the theme of family. Similar to Pete's dragon, Dumbo represents that there is no such thing as one type of family, and a family doesn't have to be entirely built on blood. 
Holtz and his children took Dumbo in as their own and nurtured his talent. And they are the ones that helped Dumbo realize that he has always had the talent and the spark to fly. He didn't need any help from a feather. He always had his own ability to shine. And that is a huge part of what the ending of this film represents. Holtz, Millie, and Joe are considered to be Dumbo's quote-unquote adopted family because they are the ones that nurtured him while his mother was away, but they also helped him reunite him with his mother. And they are able to leave the circus and go back to the natural world where Dumbo continues to embrace what makes him unique. And he doesn't really feel the need to be scared anymore because he has good people in his life who accepted him and taught him how to love all of his unique qualities. Now moving on to some fun facts. For Pete's Dragon, director David Lowry explained why Elliot is a furry dragon in an IGN article, saying that he'd rather have the kind of dragon you really want to give a hug to than a Game of Thrones type dragon which he described as cool but scaly and cold. The film takes place in 1977 and 1983. The original Pete's Dragon film happens to have been released in 1977. At one point, while Pete is running through town, he runs into a man holding a stack of cardboard boxes. This may be a reference to a scene in the original version of Pete's Dragon when Pete bumps into a man holding a large stack of cardboard egg cartons. Director David Lowry described this film as a reinvention rather than a remake of Pete's Dragon. He wanted the film to distinguish itself from the 1977 film as much as possible and reinvent the core story of a vulnerable Disney family film. Lowry even watched The Black Stallion, The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, My Neighbor Totoro, Spirited Away, and The Witch for artistic and visual inspiration. For Dumbo, there was a swear jar on set. Whenever an actor cursed, they needed to put money in the jar. At the end of shooting, the total was given to charity. Allegedly, Colin Farrell was the worst offender and was responsible for the majority of the money. Colin Farrell, who had worked with horses in films before, often took action to ensure the horses on set were treated properly. This is Danny DeVito's fourth collaboration with Tim Burton, after Batman Returns, Mars Attacks, and Big Fish. In the previous films, DeVito has played a circus member. He said that when Burton called him up asking him to be in this film, Burton referred to the project as the completion of the circus trilogy. Sharon Rooney was tapped to sing Baby Mine in the film. The song is special to Rooney as her grandmother used to sing it to her when she was a child. Rooney also had to learn to play the ukulele for the song. She never picked up the instrument before, but it took her just a week to learn how to play the song. Now moving on to some movie recommendations. First up, we have Nick Cassavetti's films, My Sister's Keeper and The Other Woman. My Sister's Keeper was such an amazing movie. The family dynamics were incredibly intense and incredibly emotional, and I personally believe that this was Cameron Diaz's best performance because we really got to see a different side to her because I, for one, am so used to seeing her in comedic roles, and she does a fantastic job in them, but being able to see her take on a more emotional and intense role was incredible to watch, and the film itself was really heavy and very vulnerable, but Nick took those themes and really handled them with such care and such sensitivity that as an audience member, you were really able to be sucked into the story. Next up, we have The Other Woman. This film was so much fun to watch. It is no means a great, fantastic film, but it is a really great film if you want to just be able to sit down and unwind after a long day. 
because it's a great film about women supporting women and women really being able to come together instead of being pitied against each other. And that is what really led the film. Cameron Diaz, Leslie Mann, Kate Upton, they do such a great job of really showcasing what it means for women to work together as a unit. And that is a really huge part of what makes the film so gratifying to watch. Last but not least, we have The Mask of Zorro. This was a film that Antonio Banderas starred in with Anthony Hopkins and Catherine Zeta-Jones, and it is another really great take on the original Zorro series from the 50s and the 60s. The film features a lot of really great action and really great romance and really takes these great adventure tropes and goes all out with them, which makes the film very exciting and very vivid to watch. And it's another really light, playful take on an action film, which I really appreciated. And it was another really great way to be able to suck audiences in because you really felt for the characters and you really wanted to be a part of the adventure itself. As our time together comes to an end, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in to M's Drive-In. I'm your host, Emily, bringing you into the exciting world of cinema with some behind-the-scenes facts and everything you need to know about some of the best artists in the business. Keep an eye out for our next episode on the vibrant world of Pedro Almodovar.